Welcome to the Backwards Infect at Twitter and Gmail under that same name. I have just one question for you. How soon is now? We meet again. So, kind of found something out about 30 episodes in that, you know, the front page of Twitter says, wake up, Neo, the Matrix Matrix has you. So, a lot of our podcast is based on the theme of the Matrix, and we have gone over some movies before. And it dawned on me after doing this three-part series of exiting the matrix, which was part one, salvation, part two, finding divinity, part three, the devil doesn't bargain, all part of the exiting the matrix series that we've never done an episode on the movie, the matrix, which I know has been so impactful to me and to you is in terms of, you know, the awakening experience experience and the symbolization that it is. And I also looked up the date that The Matrix came out. It's pretty symbolic for me because it came out in 1999. I think the first time that I saw The Matrix, I was not, I had not had an awakening. And I think when I had my first awakening, it was, I think 2001, 2002 in that area. But the timeline looking at that, it's very, very close. And it's very inspirational because if it's um, something, some road that you want to go down, it sparks something like Morpheus in that room. You know, there's, there's something there that you can't put your finger on, but you know that there's a doorway. Um, and that's what that movie was for me. I knew that there was some kind of truth in that movie that was very inspirational. Kind of how you talk about things just really hit you deep. The Matrix was, I mean, the Alpha and the Omega. I mean, it is, it is the, the best awakening movie that I know of. And we haven't done an episode about it. So we both tasked ourselves of watching it again, and I took notes, five pages, five pages of notes. It's very cool to watch The Matrix in like study form for me as well, because me being a numbers guy, I mean, I was writing room numbers down, and there there was um, some significance there as far as the apartment numbers that I'm... I'm going to guess that you didn't pick up on. Correct. (laughs) I knew it. Um, So without further ado, we are going to do a rendition on The Matrix. Um, Do you have any opening remarks on the movie, sir? Uh, Just, you know, agreement with you. You know, you have these fictional narratives that, hit the collective consciousness. I mean, they go down in history as epics, you know, like uh, the Odyssey or Beowulf or even like some of the Old Testament stories. And it just goes to show that there's this continual 
process of narrative hitting the collective conscious and having a big impact. And I know like in terms of stuff that's happened in our lifetime, I mean, there's definitely like some books and stuff that are interesting, but in terms of like mainstream narratives, um, yeah, uh, this one is, I, I mean, so much aligned with a spiritual awakening. And it's so interesting to me personally, because I was always a fan of this movie, like a huge fan of this movie. I, I would have said over and over, it's my favorite movie. Um, and I was only understanding it on the level of the introduction of simulation theory. And so my understanding of the movie is very, very intellectual and, you know, asking the questions about what we turn into, like, um, you know, you can replace your arm and you're still cane. You can replace your arm and your leg and you're still cane. You can replace your arm and your leg and your heart and you're still cane. You can replace your head and you're still, like, when do you lose cane in that replacement theory? And I was always really intellectual with the matrix like that and asking a lot of questions, but it wasn't until after the awakening spirit or uh, experience and you watch it again and you realize that you have been talking about this movie on a totally different level than I was always talking about this movie. And, um, which just goes to show that the narrative is very, very inviting for lots of different reasons. And it makes you wonder in terms of like, you know, bigger purpose or grander design or word of God. Um, there's a, there's spiritual illumination in this movie that I know I was missing for a long time. And it's, it's just, it's been a lot of fun to go back and watch it. I've watched it a couple times now. And, um, since I've had the awakening and yeah, it's, it has a lot of really good insights to what's happening to a person when they're confronted with an experience of spirituality. It's always a go-to referral movie. Um, I mean, it was certainly inspirational for me right at a correct time. So I'm going to go ahead and dive right into it, starting from the beginning, one of the first scenes. I don't know if you picked up on it, but apartment 303, I'll come back to this later, but apartment 303 was Trinity in the rooms, the first scenes, uh, action scenes, and it's pretty much the uh, agent intro, um, displaying them as stronger and faster than anyone in the Matrix, even Trinity. Um, and that leads into Trinity finding Neo on the computer and the follow the white rabbit, um, follow the white rabbit moment. And, but for me, when I was watching the first scene, it just really depicts like the power of the agents and, um, what they represent and what they're going to represent through the matrix. Um, if, if, if I had to, if I had to 
paint a picture of what I see the agents as, as far as symbols, it would have to be some sort of trapped consciousness inside the matrix that, you know, has the ability and the strength to make people do and, um, create a, a, a lot of bad things, a lot of influence, but the display in the matrix about stronger and faster, um, is really, it's really symbolic to how, how the mind works and the gatekeepers in the mind and how trap consciousness works and how you work through the subconscious and who holds the keys, um, in this whole process and how you'd navigate through that lab labyrinth to get to ultimate freedom. But in that place, there's savages and, um, vulture like activity that just wants to feed on consciousness. So agents are super symbolic for me as the introduction. And then you get into. Yeah. On the agents, he, um, the introduction to him, you notice right away that he's sadistic because he has to talk to the police officer and he has that fame and uh, no officer, your men are already dead, but you can tell he's taking pleasure in the fact that he's the bearer of bad news or like the bringer of um, chaos to a situation. And, and you see it with him over and over in the movie, how he takes pleasure in that selfish harm that he's causing. And when you compare that to like the trap consciousness that, you know, on the inside, once you have recognition on entity on the inside, it's all it's all fight for domination like that's the that's the entire battle is that fight for domination it's that fight for more control to get back to the top to get back to the driver of the consciousness so the the way they manipulate each other in the narrative in the below trap consciousness is yeah, it's represented really well in this movie because a lot of them get really sadistic with each other, just like that. Yes, and the scenes do get more in depth. And this also leads into Trinity finding Neo on the computer, uh, where she, you know she types in the famous "Wake up, Neo! The Matrix has you." And he starts freaking out, and that's that's the beginning stages. And then knock, knock on the door. Knock, knock on the doors, super symbolic. I mean, it's it's symbolic of that knock, knock on the door when you're having a synchronistic moment. I mean, that's that's basically what it is. It's synchronicity, and then bam, like you get a sign, and then bam, knock, knock on the door. It just it's just everything to um, pay attention, uh, pay attention for you know whoever may be bringing you that 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 true statement of the day or uh and i'm i'm talking as though you know you're not awake because that's the that's the perception of neo at that point so the knock knock on the door is uh, i'm looking at myself like pre-2000 like i had i had knock knocks on my door and i'm like oh that's the door so i and then the white rabbit when typed in 
to the computer was follow the white rabbit. So you get the initial, the white rabbit is completely symbolic because you, you know, if you're like me pre 2000, you're going to have your white rabbit moment. If you're truly seeking for the truth and you're going to have that moments that says, follow this person or listen to this person. Like you, you can hear it in their voice. Um, not to say, and this is different from following, you know, some, some adored figure on a pedestal. That's not what I'm talking about. This is follow the white rabbit. When you know the truth, when you hear the truth, you know, follow it until you get your question and then answer and then let it go. But it's been super symbolic. Uh, even, I mean, there's like a small, small following as far as the white rabbit goes. And I, I, I still to this day, even awakened, I keep my eyes out for certain signs of, of the white rabbit. So it's, it's huge. And that leads into, did you have anything on the white rabbit? It's cool though. Like the, the introduction to Neo is he's asleep. The first time we ever see Neo, he's asleep. Yep. I always like that scene just for that moment. It's like we start with him literally like passed out of the computer and then like the follow the right rabbit. It's just, there's a lot you can do with a white rabbit. Obviously you have the Alice in Wonderland, but it's basically like what you're saying is be aware of the synchronicities and let them lead the way. And he does such a good job and the movie does such a good job of demonstrating that right from the start. So that leads into the intro of Trinity, uh, where he actually follows the white rabbit. And uh, I, I noted down one of the questions that was in that scene uh, that was always impactful to me was uh, the question that drives us. She made the comment into his ear um, that it's not about the answer. It's about the question. And the question saying it that way, it's, it's, it's about the seed. It's about the question that you've always put out that has, yeah, it has something to do with the answer, but the question is what drives you to the truth. That's the ultimate, um, that's the ultimate seed. That's, that's the, who am I when I was a little boy? That's the, where is God when I was a little boy? It's the question that drives us. And that's that's the trust that when you when you find yourself in the new spiritual uh, arena, that's that trust where somebody can like put into words like, I had that question, and then when they're when they explain it, what they're doing is explaining you. That's how she knows him because she had the same question and she knows what question he has, but it, it very much is um, parallels what really happened. Like that's why somebody like Eckhart or somebody like Michael Singer, when you hear them talk, it's because they understand the seeds that you planted and they're able to put those into beautiful words and you can hear it. But that's where that trust comes from. It's not a blind faith. It's their understanding of the process of seeds that you've planted in yourself. 
100%. And now things are heating up. This is where it gets to uh, the next major scene. The agents interrogate and bug Neo. Literally bug him. Um, this is super symbolic. <clears throat> this is where you it really starts to mess with your minds. Like um, the creators of this movie, it's like, it, when when we're going down like you're you're explaining an awakening and then also there's even more in-depth parts that multiple awakenings that we'll get into but the process is so abc like it's unbelievable because what happens it's the question that drives us you're right in the first scene neo is asleep okay so he wakes up he's starting to wake up he's following the white rabbit right he gets the trinity and she's more inspirational so he's following the synchronicities. What happens with you when you do that in real life? The agents start to up their game, literally. Like the first times you start to meditate, it, it's always known. Like, hey, be prepared. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Like that—that's that's the first. That's why it's two weeks of suffering for me because it's always, hey, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Take two weeks off of work. Um, you know. So that's symbolic because they know Neo is on the path and he's asking the right questions. They know he's on the path to awakening. So they're super nervous. So it's like the ego is like just has upped its game to a 10th degree. And it, it wants to, I mean, it wants to stay alive at all, at all costs. So they end up, um, I thought it was very interesting where he actually woke up there again. He actually thought that was a dream and it, and it wasn't a dream. So now you it's and again, it's like, Oh, he's now entering the dream world. Now he's understanding that the dream world is real, but Oh, I thought I was there. So it was very trippy in the movie um, that he, I have up. to say, it just dawned on me right now because I, I looked at my dream journal and I really didn't even put it, put it in terms of the matrix, but I just had one line written from last night and it was, I gave up my voice. That was the only line I wrote down and I knew like I didn't download enough, but I got that part down. And yeah, it just makes me wonder Is there something specific about voice? Because I, I, I didn't even draw the parallel with the Matrix, but th damn, that's interesting when you say it like that. Yeah. So now he's, you know, waking up. Your your dreams and your real life start to kind of run together, and you realize how <laughs> yeah. much everything is. So I thought that was interesting that they depicted that as well because I was like, man, how yeah. how do they get everything on sequence? Like how an awakening goes. Um, so he wakes up from that and then goes into one of my favorite scenes, which was the car door scene, and uh, basically where they understand that the agents bugged him and he realized that. Oh, it wasn't a dream, but oh, it, stuff can actually be done in dreams as well. Um, what was the story I had about the dream where I actually brought, oh, bring the entity back? Like that awakening yeah. where you realize, oh, dreams are 
a part of you in different levels of consciousness and subconsciousness. And that's all a part of the awakening process. He realized that, oh, you can actually be bugged in, in what you would have thought was like some kind of fantasy world in a dream. But he's realizing that that's reality too. Yeah, that's crazy. The entity coming back though like in terms of how that parallels that that's yeah because you were definitely like in disbelief a little not i mean just to like try to just disbelief is not the right word but you were definitely surprised like like it transferred yeah that's definitely part of the what we have come to understand the second awakening that dreams are a part of reality yes even after a physical awakening, it's hard to grasp that concept. Very much so. But it's, it's it's so crazy that it's so clear in the movie like that. So now, did you, anything else on the car scene that you wanted to hit on before? Because I'm going to move on. Well, he gets to see it like in the jar. I mean, holy, what does he say? Holy shit, that yeah. thing's real. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's um there's no denying it for him at a, at a certain point there and then you know the famous line you've been down that road before yeah i actually because, wrote that down yeah which i've had many like in life you have many of those i i can't tell you how many mind's eye images i have of the car door scene since 2001 like you that that is it's it's so comforting because you you know after 25 years and everything that's happened in in my life and you you understand it's like your your awareness when we talk about your awareness wearing you down but like your awareness will just kick your own ass and say dude you really know what's down that road it's kind of idiotic and stupid down there um you know why would you ever do that i've had so many car door scene moments in my life over the last 25 years it's not even funny it's such a comforting scene yeah it it really is and it's i mean you kind of when you see where they end up taking the movie especially when you go to like the fourth one um but you can kind of get it just from where he's at because they did such a good job of showing like how mundane his life was before when he's getting, uh, you know, like reprimanded from his boss. So it you don't quite get it, but like that road is suicidal. Yep. And they show, they do a really good job of showing that in the matrix four, but even in the in the first one, you you can tell like that road leads to misery and hell and so there's really not a whole lot of options for him because that's and that's what trinity is saying like you've been down that road like there's nowhere else to go neo it's forward and but the appeal of that's the, a good but the appeal of the ego is always like no there's a sunny beach down there yes yeah there's your cozy room your cozy apartment where you like get back there and rest yeah it's the yeah constant battle of the ego saying that it's not suicide down that road that you you know that but it's the constant 
knowing that, but also having to deal with the lure of paradise down that road when you know good and damn well it's just a trick. Yes. All this, they're actually leading into, like, this car ride is to the Morpheus living room scene, which, again, is like, holy shit, what are we doing? I have it wrote down here, and I have it saved. Uh, it's like four minutes and 30 seconds. We have to play this scene. Okay. It's um, it's a must. <laughs> this, is what, this, is, right. this is the best part of it, but I think it's uh, it's worth hearing the whole thing, so... Uh, about four minutes long, so we'll talk about it after. Let me give you one piece of advice. Be honest. He knows more than you can imagine. At last. Welcome to you. As you no doubt have guessed... I am Morpheus. It's an honor to meet you. No. The honor is mine. Please, come. Sit. I imagine that right now you're feeling... A bit like Alice, tumbling down the rabbit hole. Hmm? You could say that. I can see it in your eyes. You have the look of a man who accepts what he sees because he is expecting to wake up. Ironically, this is not far from the truth. Do you believe in fate, Neil? No. Why not? Because I don't like the idea that I'm not in control of my life. I know exactly what you mean. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Matrix. Do you want to know what it is? The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window. Or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work. When you go to church. When you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. <sighs> Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. 
You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. So that going from scene to scene that has been so impactful, this one even gets even more impactful for me. I mean, I know that when I wasn't awake, that that scene had some kind of impact deep inside me because though it, that there, that four minutes was just, I mean, it's exactly what you would tell someone to wake up. You you can only show someone the door. You can tell them, um, you know, the world has been pulled over your eyes. Your mind is a prison. You've been a slave to it your whole life. You've never been awake. But that's the beauty of that whole scene is you have an option. You have a red pill or you have a blue pill. Neo decided to take the red pill and see how far the rabbit hole goes. But everyone has that decision in life um, where it's right in front of you. And you can either push through that door or stay in ignorance is bliss, which is fine too. On many levels, you just might do it for 25 more lives. Who knows? I don't know. But for some reason, me and you are taking the red pill in this life on this journey. But that scene was, it's crazy. I mean, it hits me deep even when I hear it right now because I know it's so impactful. I know if there's anyone listening, you listen to that scene, it's like even if you're not awake, it's like, bang, if you want to be awake, that scene is inspirational. And that should make you want to go sit down and meditate and go within and say, whoa, there's something more I'm missing. Where is it at? And that's the question, the question that drives you. And that'll, that'll get you to an awakening. Just the question. Yeah. Uh, Morpheus just does, he's does such a good job describing it. Um, Cause it's, it's so difficult to try to paint a picture of it. Um, is one of the spiritual ladies on Twitter, I think said it at one point, she's like, it's looking around for your sunglasses and then finding them on your forehead. But it's, it's so much like that. It's so like right here in front of you all the time. And you just can't, 
you can't look past your own concepts to see it correctly. And yeah, to just to hear Morpheus, um, put it into words that way. Yeah. I mean, the movie's operating on a level of truth for sure. A slave to your own mind. The meditation tip I gave on the last show, that was the main technique and method I used to unslave myself. And if anyone who knows what I'm talking about, if you, Anxiety is the best description because I think someone who's a slave to their mind has a lot of anxiety. Um, With you probably being a little bit different because you had built constructs that circumvented all that. But for most regular people... (laughs) (laughs) And not too many people build a deck of cards as beautiful as you. Um, but for, for us regular folk, um, being a slave to your own mind, I think it's very understood by a lot of people and how that create, creates anxiety. Because my freedom was when I un slave my mind when I found that light through that technique and just kind of rested in their consciousness. And I was like, Whoa, you didn't mean to tell me like love is within this is ridiculous. And then all of a sudden love is within and love is out. Like love is everywhere. Like what, what is going on? Like it's not, it's not built in, in my mind anymore, which is that's the freedom from slavery. That's exactly what Morpheus is talking about. Um, and this goes into uh, what I really wanted to touch on was the wake up. This goes into, he took the red pill, obviously. Um, and this is the um, breakdown of attachments, the physical awakening. I wanted to hit on this big because this movie depicts what we're going through now. Um, but this first part, this is the physical awakening. This is the Kane Sarter moment. Um, this is that initial physical in the 3d you have oh my gosh you know you have a wake-up moment to a new state um which is coming up which i am calling the physical awakening i like it now then we're going to The reason why the physical awakening is so impactful, because right from here, he has his physical awakening and we go right into the construct and the loading program. So now what happened in this whole process? Neo woke up in the physical, right? His physical body has woken up out of the, where all the bodies were being stored. That's very symbolic. It's a field of humans, right? But it it's symbolic because like, it doesn't have to necessarily be a field of humans. If, if you have 50,000 people in a stadium, it's, and they're all asleep. You have a field of humans that is asleep with a ton of attachments. The movie just depicts you in a very sci-fi way, you know, in liquid, you know, machines are attached to them, but it's super symbolic of 
all the ego attachments, all the constructs built. Um, and when you're having that physical awakening, all those attachments, you now break free. Um, and that's, that's the first awakening, the physical attachments, the realization that, oh my God, I was a part of the problem. I was a part of, you know, all these attachments that I had, um, from that, they go into how far does the rabbit hole go now is the question. It's the question for me and you. They go straight into the construct and the loading program. But where is that? That's back in the matrix where he was previously asleep. That's not physical. That's outside of time and space, which would be known as what we call 5D, the astral. So you have physical wake up. He immediately goes into training with Morpheus where he starts the training programs, which is where I would say that me and you kind of are. We understand that there's something else. Um, but I just thought that was interesting that He's now going into the matrix and training programs, but he's not awake yet. He's only had the, right. he's only had the physical awakening. Right. He's in, he just understands his attachments. And you said, yes, part of the problem, but really from like the, the point of view from you, it's the entire problem. The, the entire problem, the, 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 the whole control mechanism was through me. So to get out of those, yeah, you can see that it's caught up for everybody else. But from your point of view, like the entire problem was you. And then letting go of those attachments is. And what are those attachments? Those attachments are identity. And then you can let go so much that you now have room for more conscious light and awareness. And you can start understanding like a bigger picture. And I mean, understanding even more than that. But as in terms of how the movie goes, yeah, he, he then understands that he can begin the training Is is that like a scramble? Because in, in that training, like he's trying to put back together like some form of identity, right? Yes. You you uh, teed me up nicely because on here, Neo's denial. So in the construct, they're in the construct that I'm talking about with you. Like that's where the meeting place needs to be. Um, Neo has a moment of denial where his ego fights back where he says, get me out of here. And he said, I don't believe it. He starts waving his arms. Um, so he starts, yeah. he starts grabbing back for, um, what I would say, I mean, that was in your physical, but kind of like how you were grabbing back just to claw back, just to get back to some form of thought so you can accomplish tasks. 
Yeah, because I feel like you can see that even when he fights Neo, because like when yeah. or when he fights Morpheus, be, the way like when, when you first see this movie, like back in the day, it almost looks like they're being like Kung Fu cheesy when you don't get into it like we do now. But you can tell like Neo is. Even in his training, he's constructing ego in that training. You can see it on his face. He's. It's now new ego, but it's that's how quick it's respawning on him. And it, it's coming back. And it's a new, better version of himself, but it's still a new identity that him and Morpheus have to confront with each other. But it's it's that new constructing of ego, which is m- more aware than where he was before the physical wake-up, for sure. But that's like the whole thing that's also represented by Smith over and over again in the movie. Like the the ego levels up with you. And you can see him when he's fighting Morpheus and he gets in some of those Kung Fu poses. He's full of ego. You can see it because he's all he's done is sit there and downloaded training programs, Kung Fu. It just keeps hitting him, keeps hitting him, keeps hitting him. And then he wakes up. And what does he say? I know Kung Fu. He can't wait to show somebody. Yeah. And uh, that Morpheus fight is the next scene. Um, I noted here, tank load the program seems to be a good keyword. Um, one of the big quotes from Morpheus during the fight is he beat him the first time and then he told him don't think you are know you are um which was after the physical awakening when you're talking about the second awakening it's that's what i think me and you were trying to get to and you you the level of know thyself is so real in that moment uh because it truly is like a second awakening. Like you have to know yourself on another level that um, the 3d awakening can't give you. And it has to do with knowing yourself as a multi-dimensional person and getting to that realization and actually knowing who you are. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, I'm I'm having it right now. Like, I I hadn't drawn that conclusion, but it makes so much sense when you think about it. Because I mean, that's exactly we even use the word download. I mean, and what's happening? I mean, we're laying in bed, we're taking a download, taking a download, taking a download. Some of them you can't even really understand. Some of them you don't even you know you don't even remember them the way that you want to. But you're fighting it. You're trying to get the download, trying to get the download. But then once you get a bunch of them, you wake up and you have that attitude of I know Kung Fu. Which is movement in the direction that you haven't been before. So it's not as if like you're going down the right road. But that path forward is so hard to navigate the new ego constructs. 
And that's what that is. That's an ego construct. But you, so you're in that moment when you're saying to yourself, I know Kung Fu. That's evidence that that Kung Fu dojo is not where he wakes up. That's that's not the thing that happens. It's it's the training to try to maintain aware, awareness, maintain the downloads. It's that training that you know is going to be useful for some event that's going to be something that you can't foresee. Which is exactly how everything plays out. But yeah, that just kind of hit me now where... That's such a good metaphor for what's going on, taking all those downloads, and then it changes him. I mean, it it actually reconstructs his ego because he was at that low point, and it reconstructs it, and he's definitely in a better spot than where he was, but now he's limited by his own new ideas of himself. So what does Morpheus do? It goes to the next scene and he ups the game um, as far as awakening inside the Matrix. Um, He has the pep talk with Neo to free your mind on the jump. And then he makes the jump and then Neo goes and he misses the jump. But the whole idea is Morpheus is pressing on. He's trying to get him to awaken in the astral. Uh, Which at this point you would say he's not awake yet. Um, he's aware of where he's at, but being awake, that second awakening, not, that's why this movie is crazy. It's not only awakening. It shows that it shows both awakenings. This movie shows both awakenings, which is our theory all along is that you have an awakening, but there's a, another awakening as well that not, and I did want to talk about this too, as far as, like for me and you, I don't know if it's um, unique to me and you. I don't necessarily like push or like advocate or think that um, it's necessary for another person to have an awakening like you had and then, you know, have the expectation that a second awakening is what you're supposed to attain here. I believe that that's beyond and that's what we're trying to get to. But I I think like someone that has a physical awakening here and they just want to be content with their life and be peaceful and have love, I think that's sufficient for a person to do that. For some reason, me and you seem to push the envelope further and it's not a right or wrong thing is what I'm trying to point out. I just felt like I needed to say that as far as the second awakening because there's definitely no pressure or from you or from me or, or how I view the second awakening. Like this is something you you're supposed to attain in this life as well. Not completely sure. Just know the direction that I think both of us want to go with it. It's definitely goes down into the mystical. And that's the point I make. Like mystical may not be for everybody. Like how many people went from spiritual to mystical? Like, could be millions to one i i don't i don't know the ratio is but there's you know pushing the envelope to the mystical 
is something that you got to want to do. And like I said, I was in spiritual for 25 years. I didn't necessarily think or want to go into mystical until you had your experience. Um, so then we had the scene where there, he's pretty much showing the matrix. He's showing the program. And it's, it, again, it's very symbolic because you're looking at the people walk around and I wouldn't say, uh, Neo is aware now, but he's, he's not awake in, in, in the matrix yet, but you're looking at people just living out their lives. It's a complete objective view of the matrix in this scene where they're just showing people walk around, they can pause it, they can play it, but it's just super symbolic for me to see, like, it's kind of what it is here. It's, it's, it's like a rat race. People just running around and living out their lives. And uh, the percentage of people that are asleep is way more than there is awake. Um, and he's still confused at that point. So even after all of his downloads and stuff, he, he doesn't even really know where he is. They, in this scene, he's describing the matrix and he starts talking about the Sentinel programs, uh, which are the gatekeepers and where he's kind of explaining yeah. the matrix. I thought that was a huge moment because he's actually showing the construct of, of the gatekeepers of this place. So you think about an asleep state, like who the gatekeepers are. That's like darkness. That's like the dark side. That's the that's the evil. That's the entity. That's the trap consciousness. That's the sentinel programs, the agents. It's it's all based on rules. They even say that in the movie. It's all based on yeah. rules. And and I even put on here entity. And that because it's based on rules, they'll never be stronger and faster on you. But in the matrix and asleep, they're super fast and uh stronger than you. Because it's based on rules, but they wrote the book on those rules. So they're he-men in the Matrix to an yes. unawakened person. But he explains to Neo, says, if you wake up here, you're boundless. You're limitless. You will never be beaten by an agent if you wake up here because they're bound by rules. They wrote a construct. They're... They are. They have to be in that construct, that set of rules. They'll never be stronger and faster than you, just based right. on, on, on facts and universe law. Because it was built inside the consciousness. It, it is a turning back on, but it was a built construct. Remember you in the elevator, where it's like. You, you, your higher self were look, was looking at you and you knew that you were hiding. All these things were built in hiding. They're all based on rules. Yeah. That is very, very good. Good moment of the movie when he sits there and explains the matrix. No, it's. Yeah, you're, you're. You're really good on that. That's um, that hits hard. Yeah, because that's how you have like Aleister Crowley, like you know, talking to some entity that you know believes it's God. 
and then I mean, it's just that fractal separation. It's like it has no idea. That's all it knows. It's in that system of rules. It's taken up all the space. It thinks it's the only thing there. But it's contained. The strongest. The infinity goes beyond. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's. Yeah, that trap consciousness. um, If you subject yourself to their level yeah you are so outmatched because um the rules are written by them it's like uh, trying to fight your own fear or trying to fight your own anger or trying to fight your own lust or whatever you want to put in that blanket if you like turn around and you try to take these things head on you're always outmatched. I mean, that's the entire human existence is being outmatched by your own reactions. Yeah. That's, that's the entire process. And then, yeah, the moment that you have one moment of clarity where you're just like, Oh, I don't have to do that. I'm not bound to that system. As soon as that moment hits you and and you understand it and you surrender, there's the, there's the boundless uh, pathway where you know that the essence of who you are is not within those same boundaries. Yeah, it's... Morpheus does a good job of that. I don't think I really ever got that one either, dude. That's good. So next impactful scene, why oh why didn't I take the blue pill? Uh, the movie threw in a traitor, which was it's so symbolic to um real life as well. Uh he tells Neo, if you see an agent, do what I do, run. So he's 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 giving up, you know obviously something someone who has fallen who you know he state he makes the statement ignorance is bliss what is wrong with that everyone has that person in their life too like you're you're on the path of awakening and there's always someone you know on your shoulder saying wow why did you take the blue pill i mean that's that's (laughs) it's it was perfect for them to throw in you know this traitor as well because that's it's exactly what happens in real life i mean i can't tell you there's it's how many times I've heard in my life that people even maybe know that I have found some kind of truth in my life. And, you know, that spirit of, you know, did you really have to take the red pill? I mean, (laughs) ignorance is bliss. Um, Right. So this, from that, uh, the, Cypher is is the traitor um, that leads into them going to see the Oracle because that's where he's going to lead um, the agents to Morpheus. He drops the phone in the trash can. Um, so now they're 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 going into the building to see the Oracle, and. Uh, 
on cypher too like he they it does a good job of like there really isn't like in order for him he's got to like go back to complete a sleepness they've got to wipe his memory i want to be somebody important like an actor like it also does like so in the sci-fi part of the movie you can see what they're doing but like that's not even necessarily available like cuz like you can ask yourself like what would you have to do to plug yourself back in like take it personal it's like um start drinking more <laughs> start i mean you just start to add it up and it's like these are all the things i have to do to make myself ignorant again and then it's like like those are it, it almost i don't know it does doesn't even necessarily seem possible and but the the movie does a good job demonstrating that where it's like they're literally going to knock him out plug him back in put him back in the womb and rewrite his history yeah which is it's basically like something that we can't even do it's not even necessarily available to us like once once the red i mean you can't unknow what you know or unsee what you've seen without like the complete memory wipe which from i mean i suppose there's enough alcohol in the world but i mean you're talking about a nasty road to go down to try to which I mean, the reincarnation theory is that you know you 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 keep living lies until you eventually want to ascend. So I mean, right? Like, okay, so you want to you want to have another life and not remember anything. Okay, how many of those? Do you yeah, a hundred. Oh yeah, 101? yeah, hundred and two. Yeah. Like what? Yeah, I mean, it, it consciousness is going to evolve no matter which life, you know what I mean? Like you want to prolong it for your next one. Okay. We'll see you on the next, next one. <laughs> like, right. Right. Um, on the way to the Oracle Trinity and Morpheus are always given pointers because he's on the way to a, you know, an awakening. So his curiosity, he's driving, driving through the matrix. He makes a comment. Like I, I used to eat there. So he's aware, but he's not awake. Um, Trinity says in the car, the matrix cannot tell you who you are. Uh, Morpheus says, try not to think of it as right or wrong, which is, I, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the best pieces of advice that you could ever give someone because you're, you know, going on to the awakening journey, like you have to lose the right or wrong thing. You have to. Lose yeah. That. Um, she is a guide for the path. Um, so basically he's telling Neo, you know, don't come in here and look at it the way that your traditional mind looks at things as far as ABC, one, two, three, right and wrong. Uh, she's a guide for the path. So she's trying to set them free. I did notice something I've never noticed. Um, it's the there is no spoon moment with the kid, but on the wall, um, 
there's a whole plethora of spoons hanging on the wall. It's like yeah, like thirty of them. I never saw that before. I noted that the oracles in the apartment has a there no there is no spoon moment, um, and then above the kitchen is know thyself, which is huge, especially for the second awakening. The spoon moment is I, it's. The the old version of me, I mean, kind of hated this scene. And it's one of those things where I feel I used to feel like it's just so cryptic. It's so um, it's it's not within like the intellectual materialism that can be understood. But when you listen to like the yogis and the monks and like their ultimate truths. So when you boil them down and you get to their ultimate truths, Buddha had moments like this and there's so many of the monks and I can't remember all their names, but it's, it's over and over again, like the most important concept that they want to pass on. And they think is the most important is there's no such thing there's no such thing. There is no spoon. That's the most important thing. And but they're doing that through the mystical. They're doing that through going into the astral in the place without the boundaries and the rules. And the consciousness is spending time there and acclimating to a place where there is no gravity and acclimating to a place where there is no form of matter that cannot be manipulated by the consciousness as if as if it's divine because it is divine and in that state then transforming over to the waking state but it's been practicing all along maintaining its consciousness without these rules and then once the consciousness really starts to understand that on the in the waking state they're basically saying the rules don't exist here either even the rules like gravity and matter i mean it goes all the way so you have the dream state the 5d and then you have the waking state, the 3D, and it's, there's, there seems to be from those masters, that idea that there is no spoon is literally like, that's the whole thing. That's the whole, your reactions are not real. And even the observation you're making within the universe are not real. There is no spoon. That kid is the prophet here. It's not the spoon that bends, it's only yourself. But that's, and you can see that even in our intellectual pursuit of what matter is. When you start to break it down and you got to take the road between the particle and the wave. Like it is not what we think it is. 
That's the trap. But the ones that are pushing deep into the mystical and they spend the time breaking through the barriers because you don't just go into 5D and just like know how to fly. Like you have to, just like what Neo ends up doing, you have to like go through a process of like the exploration because you can't accept it because you're so used to the force of gravity. You have to break that and shake that off. But then you, that same relationship, that construct is is within everything, your perception of reality itself. And you're always, um, you're always subject to those rules until you can have, you know, the Neo moment or the mystical moment. But it's, that's a very, very, um, hard to explain it's hard to like talk to the intellectual uh understanding of that because i think i know i used to always have such a hard time with it but it's one of the most true things that you can understand is the reality is not what we think it is and it's way closer to there is no spoon He walks into the kitchen after there is no spoon and there's the Oracle. And I have noted down here, the the biggest thing is uh, basically at the end, she, she tells him what she thinks he needs to hear that he's not the one um, that, you know, you're in control of your own life. So I, she senses a, a lot of ego in him. At, at this moment, she can tell that he's in, you know, the 5D, the Matrix, but he's not awake. I mean, that's very telling that the Oracle could sense that. So she's she's telling him what he needs to hear. And then this is the famous decision. Like, he's she predicts he's going to have to make a decision. In one hand, you're going to have Morpheus's life. In the other hand, you're going to have your own life. And you're going to have to decide who to save which it ultimately sets up his second awakening. Um, but again, to me, that scene is just evidence. The Oracle sees him and she sees ego. She knows he's full of himself. And she just says, dude, you're not the one. I guess some form of reverse psychology or, or, or whatever. But there was no way that she could say you're the one because he still had ego. So if you say you're the one and you still have ego, he'll never find himself. See what I'm saying? Like, cause the ego would have just taken that and, and ran with it. (laughs) I'm the one, you know what I mean? Like it wouldn't have worked. That's why I took that scene. There's a lots online about this scene and it's, um, a lot of it has to do with the Merovingian, part so the merovingian is another program and when our introduction into him he writes a code and puts it in a cake that ends up being the female orgasm in the second movie right 
Remember that? Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that the cookie had the code of the second awakening. Because he does eat the cookie. Yeah. Which is interesting when, in terms of the matrix and like the, just in terms of the whole um, sci-fi narrative and, and the relationships between the machines and the humans, it's interesting to think because the Oracle is there helping the synergy for some reason. We know that that's like one of the machines. But then that theory takes it a step further, like actually activated the second awakening in Neo with the cookie. I always thought that was an interesting theory. I've never heard that theory, but it makes sense. Yeah. Something to do with the cookie that we never figured out. Well, it's not to the second movie where you see like some food being a program. Yeah. But as soon as you see that, you're like, oh, he ate the cookie. So now we're going, um, this is the cipher. This is the trap. Now they're coming back from the Oracle and they're going back to the original building to exit the matrix. Um, Neo has the famous black cat deja vu. And then we find out that's a glitch in the matrix. Um, happens when they change something. I know I've had a ton. And let me just say this because I, I, I don't know if I've ever said it on on an episode before and I don't, I don't know if it's going to be believable, but I want whoever's listening. And I think you know this to understand that it is the 100% truth. And I don't know how I can come across and, and tell this fact without you or anyone thinking I'm, completely embellishing the story but i'm not (laughs) i have a black cat and a white rabbit in my house it's two pets the day both of the black cat so let me let me explain to you why i had nothing to do with this okay the black cat is our second cat and we had always talked about, you know, cats usually pick one person and our first cat picked Patty and we love the cat as a pet because they're the cats are just, I mean, they're super cool. So we knew that, you know, one day we'd get another cat and we'd call it my cat. Maybe the cat would grow to like me. Right. So Patty would have a cat and I would have a cat. One lay on my chest and one lay on her chest, which is what cats do. They pick a person. So just one day out of the blue, Patty gets a cat and comes home into my office and said, here's your cat. It's a black cat. I had nothing to do with it. Like she was, she was with KK or something. Um, It's a black cat. So not me, not me. And then the white rabbit, the, the ultimate story of the black cat is it's KK's person too. So I still don't have a damn cat. (laughs) Yeah. it's kk's person and then our first cat is patty's person so uh, we'll probably end up getting a third cat but okay so the bigger 
issue here is I have a white rabbit in my house that was purchased in the same way. This is for works for KK on the day that the matrix four came out and I had nothing yeah. to do with well, I knew that KK was studying like how to take care of a rabbit. Like we had talked about it as a family, but I've never been to the pet store. I've never done like any of the whatever. It just, they, they, she took care of that, came home. Patty had no idea of like the, um, the day the matrix four was coming out. The day it come out is when the white rabbit is in my house. I have a black cat and a white rabbit in my house and we're on an episode of the backwards infect doing a rendition on the matrix and how it wakes people up. What the F is going on? <laughs> if that's not a glitch in the matrix happens when they change something scene, I don't know what is, but that's, that's bizarre to me, but it's, it's pretty cool though. Cause I know I didn't plan it and I know it's like, well, yeah, Luke, whatever you got a black cat and a white rabbit. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Uh, I mean, I get it. I would be skeptical. Skeptical. I remember when we were watching the makes of makes four and you're like, I got a white rabbit today. I, the very today first I- day I was watching the matrix four. There's yeah. a white rabbit. I watched it in the movie room. There's a white rabbit in there while I'm watching the debut. It's yeah, the trippiest thing ever. Yeah. Um, so now we're moving on to Neo's continuing on his wake up path. And you say in the astral 5D matrix, kill Morpheus option is presented. Um, he is beginning to believe in something. You can tell that he's shedding something and. Now it's, you can tell it's coming from within, like, like no matter what the Oracle said or anything, like all of a sudden it's like, I, he states, I believe I can bring him back. Like he's starting to believe in himself in a way that's coming from within. Um, And then that leads into the famous scene where Trinity goes with him, um, no, actually, they're not in yet. But well, when he they were about to when pull he's the talking, they're about to pull a plug, and that's when Neo. It was like that's when he first started to wake up when they're about to pull the plug on Morpheus. Yeah. And in terms of like him starting to believe, I felt like he he gains courage of conviction and he gains he gains a lot of strength when he gets out of his own ego and he understands that he's using his awareness to go help somebody else. Because he doesn't really know Morpheus all that well. Um obviously like they have some kind of relationship already but it hasn't been very long. But he has been introduced to this new idea. And it's kind of interesting that because it's when the Oracle puts that question to him, it's not just Morpheus versus Neo in terms of who dies. It's Morpheus and him representing the hope for all of humanity. 
or Neo and he dies. So when Neo recognizes like, oh, um, and maybe I'm starting to believe what he's doing is he's compassionately looking past himself to be useful to the one Morpheus who really represents all of humanity. So I always like that. That's how he starts to gain his strength is to get out of that ego and into more of like a Boda, uh, more of helping all the higher path of everyone. And that's how he begins to gain strength. So you just teed me up perfectly because you said that Morpheus represents all of humanity as, as, as this. And we go into the famous scene where Trinity and, and Neo are coming into the matrix now with purpose. Like you've been to the training program, still not awake, but now you have a mission. Like now there's a mission here. Um, Agent to Morpheus, what you said, representing all of humanity as one of the most epic moments where um, you're actually hearing entity talk to humanity in real fashion by saying, I hate this place. It's a zoo. It's a prison. It's the smell. I'm somehow Mm -hmm. saturated by it. I can taste your stench. I'm somehow infected by it pleads to get free one of the most authentic raw moments ever gets by destroying the zion so he's talking to him as he's representing humanity like he knows if he gets this done he's going to be free in the sense of embarrassment when the other agents walk in because he's in a raw sense like you're seeing raw entity plead i want out of this place I can't take it anymore. I'm trapped. I have to be free. Yeah. He's pleading. The other agents walk in. He stands up. He's like, you know, he. they see him for, for what he's doing. And, and the, the, even one of the agents says, what are you doing? Like he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew that he yeah. made himself vulnerable as an entity. I thought it was an amazing moment in the movie where um, – you actually get a sense of that trapped consciousness and, you know, it really wanting to be free. And then you get into the moment where even further along the awakening, this is Neo where he dodges bullets for the first time. And then the helicopter scene where they actually get Morpheus. And now after after the scene where they get Morpheus on top of the building and he saves Trinity, the I, I noted here because it's very noticeable in the movie that Trinity and Morpheus are like, he's the one, but not yet Neo. Like even after right. that, Neo still didn't wake up. Like Neo still didn't wake up, but Trinity and Morpheus knew through and through. It's like, he's the one. So others had... Um, began to believe before Neo. Going back to the bullets. Uh huh. She says something interesting that I think is, uh, it was impactful because 
she she says how did you do that you moved like they do and i that's always symbolic like that fight for the ego or that fight with the ego and there's no winning that fight with the ego but you can learn to move like they do you can learn moves from that interaction with the ego and when she said that i um i was just reminded that um those fights are are not one but they are um they are battles where your understanding of yourself becomes more and more acute and i love that line you moved like they do cuz you were just talking about what the entity is and then all of a sudden you're taking pointers and you're using the same defense mechanism as they use absolutely so then that goes straight to like like uh trinity and neat uh morpheus get out so he's successful both of them are out and then in the subway he doesn't get out in time so you have the famous neo agent first fight where he's again beginning to believe you see him turn around and flex um it, it it's almost in a non-egoic way. He's like, he's starting to, it's starting to come from within. You can kind of see that he's, but he's still not awake. So he fights him, gets out of that. Well, and why is he not awake? Cause I mean, you can see him. You can see him taking, um, getting stronger for sure. You can, but I, I feel like in that scene, you can still see that he's got that Kung Fu ego that Correct. comes out. Yep. And he he's as if, like, I'm going to win this battle. Like, he turns around as if I'm going to win this battle. Right. Like, he has it in his head. He's believing hard. He's believing real hard and he's about to put all the effort that he has into this fight. Yep. Full agreement there. Uh, he ultimately um, fins him off and jumps out and the agent or he jumps out of the subway train he smashed him up against the roof and did a backwards flip and train stops. And then all of a sudden the agent turns into another person and he realizes I'm not going to do this all over again. Like it was his ego fighting him. So he's beginning to believe. So he runs out of there and now we're in a chase again. And, but he realizes like the entire fight in terms of like logistically furthering his progress meant nothing. Correct. Meant absolutely nothing because as soon as, as soon as the agent is gone, the agent is there. And, and now Neo, like that's a, 
that's a hard moment because you should have just ran from the beginning. Once you understand that. And he, he ends up being the first one in that scene to stand his ground against an agent and live. Like, so that's fine, but he's still like, after he understands that whole process, like it, it still, it just doesn't matter. So you could say that maybe he's gained more strength in terms of his ability to fight that situation, but he also is learning that the fight is absolutely, um, what's the word there, is absolutely not going to get him anywhere. It's completely useless, the fight true so now it's in a chase again uh where the agent's chasing him um you're going back and forth to the um spaceship as well so this is really going to make your noodle uh when they're going back and forth trinity's over neo and what's the first thing when they go back you start to get a proximity alert and in my mind's eye, I went back to an astral experience that I had where I told you I was on a time limit and they were trying to, um, that just came oh, wow. hit me like a ton of bricks. It was a proximity alert. He was gone and something was turned on and they were getting in and you only had so much time to get out. It's the first time that scene has ever hit me like that. But oh, wow. remember when I yeah. told you I felt like I was on a timer? Yeah, that scene directly put my mind's eye back to, you know, flipping over a timer when I was in the astral because it was, was, you only have so much time. And I I don't know the full explanation of it, but I'm, I keep getting shown things in the direction of, of that. I have it noted down here, time limit, proximity alert, sentinels, long time, question mark. That's what I wrote down while I was watching the movie. Timeline, question mark, proximity alert, while he's in the Matrix, sentinels, long time, question mark. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I thought it was interesting too. Um. So now we're getting to the nitty gritty where he's running from the agents. He's in apartment buildings again. And what do you know? He opens the door at apartment 303. You remember 303? No. That was the beginning scene. Yeah, the beginning scene. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. Significance of 303 is it's it seems to be a rectangular box. Um in addition, like three zero three added three. It's all divisible. It's like the three six nine Tesla. Three plus three is six. Three times three is nine. Three six nine. Yeah, he gets shot right there by an agent. You have a moment where he dies in the astral. He dies in the five D. He dies in the matrix. Where you're always been told you die in the matrix. And the physical dies. Um, 
he ends up transcending death and has a second awakening in the astral, in the matrix, new state, which is mystical. Second awakening, death, second awakening, in astral, new state, mystical. New vision, see, sees programs for what they are. Exactly like in the movie, he begins to see uh, in, the, in a mystical state uh, as programs, exactly what they are. And obviously, like you said, when you saw Ego with the Kung Fu, it was just, it was a new person. I don't know how they depicted him the way they depicted him, but they depicted him without Ego. And then without Ego, you no effort. There was no effort. He was completely empty. And well, go to the gunshot. I mean, when you go to the gunshot, when he gets shot, like it's the first time that we see him and it happens right when he gets shot. No reaction. None. He's just completely blank. And it ends, I think he shoots him again and then he slowly, so he's ahead of it. He's way ahead of it. And it's like slowly he's down and he understands that there's blood. But there's no reaction to him whatsoever. And then, of course, Smith empties the entire clip and he's ends up backed in the wall. So now he's actually being driven back by the force of the bullets. But that, sh- that scene showed clearly like the mechanism and how it happened mm. yeah. was... He came into a moment of now and then just did not react to it in the slightest bit to the point where the entity had to just keep going, keep pushing, keep pushing until the entity crucified him, put him on the cross and just said, fine, you're dead here. And, um, but once he's dead and then awakened and that state stays with him. Correct. So now there's no more Kung Fu ego. It's literal, like as if he's not even fighting. There's certainly no effort in the fighting. There's, there's no fight in the fighting. He's just there as the witness and basically seeing every move the program makes before he can make it. Because now he's outside of the limitations and the the amount of head start he gets in terms of what he's able to anticipate. And that's that one scene where his arm is moving so fast you can't even see it. I mean, it's just a beautiful... I mean, that's exactly it. It's the pacing. You see all that stuff coming. A great scene where he doesn't even have to dodge the bullets anymore, either. Where it's just... It's just a denial. And that's it. But everything starts from that non-reactionary state. It depicts, you know, going back to the 
what was the piece you sent me about spiritual to mystical incarnating the Christ? That was, it was Gene Hart, but it was also another guy, Alan. Is that, you remember? Alan Wallace? Is that the one you sent me? Alan Wallace with that I don't know. 30 or 45 minutes that depicts it. Um, Michael Singer? Yeah, Michael Singer. Yeah. So he talks about the spiritual to mystical, only a few people who find the ocean. That was an ocean moment, like the drop in yeah. the ocean. It's also the Gene Hart's depiction of the Christ being incarnated. Also yeah. the Buddha. All right there in that moment. It's when spiritual becomes mystical. And he did it in the 5D which I think is what we describe as the second awakening, which is right. absolutely incredible to, to look at uh, and see that. And then at the very end, he showed off the ability to jump into a trapped consciousness and ultimately set him free. Cause what he was he was just making the point that when he jumped into that agent, it was a lot of suffering for the agent, but he really set that agent free. But that's ultimately what the agent wanted was to be set free. And he had the ability to not only defeat an agent, but he had the ability to, to set him free. And then you could see the other two agents didn't want any part of that. So they ran ultimately not even understanding that it was about, not defeating, but being set free, which it wasn't a fight anymore. It wasn't about like Kung Fu ego fight. It was about the ability for him to infect an agent and set him free. I thought that was pretty symbolic too. And then I thought of you, this is crazy. I don't know if you had this moment, but at the very end, we had just like some of the last words is, I know you're out there. You're afraid of change. You had just texted me the the fear (laughs) thing. I'm like, man, did Kane see that? Like we just talked about the same day. Yeah. The same day. Yeah. That last, I know you're out there. So it's just a call to um, a world where anything is possible. He makes that, he makes that final call to the other Neos that may be out there that, you know, he's just tickling a bit. Uh, and then he shows the no limits and Neo can fly, um, which is, I mean, it's the perfect second awakening. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's just unreal that um, all that's in that movie. It's, It's just uh, absolutely unreal, but yeah, I, yeah, you did a real good job of that. I, yeah, because it once you see the stuff on the inside, and you start to wrestle around with it, and you know you have your subway moments and. You know, you have your fights and then you realize that some of these fights are just stupid. 
And it's not even that, you know, you win them or you lose them. It's just that they're just, they just, even if you get the upper hand, you know, they just have another one right behind it. And like that idea where your consciousness um, can finally take hold and at, at a bigger position with the understanding of the greater good for all the beings, you know, the, the, the place where you're now from the outside looking in and how that would change your view of like all the agents inside. And from that point of view, it does, it just becomes so, um, You, you look back on those fights as like so silly. So you have moments like that's what it's almost like the. You have moments where you get through it, but then you find yourself like back to like a, a starting point. Because I can see like myself getting ahead of the reactions. And I can see how important that is. And now, like, the idea that you can shed that light on the inside. And now all that trapped consciousness is going to be integrated. Like, what does that do to you? Like, what in terms of, like, walking around and talking with normal people? (laughs) Like, what is that? mystical yeah mystical is all all i can say i mean it's uh it seems to be the direction that not necessarily just me or you are on um but it seems to be uh some type of global awakening to where you had you know, when this all started intensely, I would say 20, 20, 25 years ago, when this kind of really started intensely, but now through the platforms that we have and, you know, YouTube and social media, and they're, they're not that, they're not that old of platforms. So the ability for this kind of truth to get over the airwaves uh, from one country to the next, that in itself is on a level it's never been before. But the idea that spiritual to mystical, I'm seeing in a lot of people like people are wanting to push the bounds of uh, that next step and it. Yeah. I'm optimistic on what's going on in the world because it seems like there's just a massive fork in the road and you're getting more sleep or if you're spiritual, you're just wanting to go, you know, really down the rabbit hole you know, as far as they can go. 
And that's pretty promising. It's a pretty cool time to be here and to be a part of it because it does seem like we're headed down some sort of path together, but also collectively as a, as a large group of people and not just a couple voices anymore. Yeah. I mean, that gunshot scene, I mean, that gunshot scene is, is so intense in my, um, understanding now it's, I I see him doing it and I I understand that it doesn't like that moment doesn't require anything of you. Like that part I understand. And so like to try to understand like where and I'll just use me. I won't even use you, but I know that you're right here with me. But you know the the multiple versions of like the subway fights and um you know, downloads and training. And now you're just waiting for that gunshot scene. And so you imagine like, what's that guns gunshot scene. And I feel like I already know what that gunshot scene is because through the exploration, like there is that higher self. Like I've seen him. And, and then you go back to like your dream with like, um, the woman in the tube and like you hear the voice like i can control like who do you think that is that is the higher self like yeah. speaking down to you and like what's going to happen is it's just going to be out of the blue and this consciousness that we're talking with right now is going to run right into that higher self consciousness do you think that's what it's and they're about? going to merge? Yeah, just inevitably, like it's going to be. Um, ran- you just random. opened three o three. Random. Random. Wow. Random and trying to predict what's going to happen and when it's going to happen, and as soon as that happens, you just got shot. You just died in the astral. That's intense, man. But I mean, it hits me hard because it's 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 almost like, um, you know, the second coming is coming to me like nobody knows the day or time that will happen. And we all view it as like some something that I mean, it's 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 misused just as much as the word God is misused. But that second coming term just jumps out at me like from the scripture. You don't know time or day but obviously it's not it's again that's why the show is called the backwards effect because things have been depicted backwardsly for many many years now and that's part of the awakening um but that's what my reluctance to use certain terms is is there but I, i use them anyway hopeful that people can see past uh, the conditioned thinking of, of what they think a second coming is, but that's that's what jumps out to me is you don't know the time or day; it just happens. 
Yeah, and I mean, look at what he does. I mean, he he trains, he fights, he runs. I mean, that chase scene is forever. I mean, he's running and running and running and running. That's the last thing he expects when he opens that door. That's, God dang, that's so true. But it's kind of like that's kind of like our yeah. dreams now, though. That's what I'm saying. He's chasing. So, running, like you, like. You, you're not going to have time to prepare. It's not like you're going to set up a seance and it's going to go like the way you want it to. Like, so when we get frustrated and we, and you know, it seems like there's like, you're not going to have any control over it like that. Yeah. You're just going to open a door and die. That's the ego that wants that control. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's where like, I, that's where it does get, but that's what I'm, my fear wasn't, it's just like some kind of event that I know is going to happen that I have no control over and can't predict. You know what I mean? It's, that's really all it boils down to. And, and I don't know, like, what the hell is that? Expectations of what would be after. Well, yeah, because now it's just like what you said. You're going to look inside and you're going to see all the program for what it is. Well, yeah, you might be thrust into something like very quickly. Like you're obviously we both go to work for, you know, a source of revenue, but. You're going to be so empty. That the the mechanism is just going to fill up. Yeah. Yeah. That's when the alternate revenue streams start to happen. <laughs> it's just, uh, there's no, no functioning. Uh, I mean, I think you could, I'm not, I'm not, I think, you, I think you would do it at a very high level. I mean, I think a lot of the success of I've, I've had is because of the clarity of mind and um, rawness and ability to, so I think that just gets enhanced to that degree. So there'd be a transition. Yeah. Cause that's what I keep saying. Like, you know, could you function staying in that state for two weeks? And I do think the answer is yes. Like, I think it would take some getting used to, but ultimately the answer is yes. I mean, you're not going to be like watching a lot of TV. I mean, you're not, there's definitely like a lot of things that are going to be different. Um, well, the physical, but like the physical is like you're a baby. Like the first two weeks, you were like a baby. The second awakening, I don't think you're necessarily like a baby. See what I'm saying? Like you were literally like well, an infant the first couple of weeks on the physical awakening. Second yeah. awakening to the mystical, I, I don't think is is it's dramatic, but as dramatic as what you're thinking as far as like being able to accomplish things during the day. The first one, like, I mean, you were like an infant. You were, you were like a newborn. Well, you're seeing with newborn eyes, you're seeing without the conditioning, you're hearing without the conditioning. I mean, those two, I'm sure the other senses are involved as well, but I know like the hearing and the seeing was, completely different but it's just you're ahead of it you're not 
You're not seeing your ideas and conditionings of things. You're just seeing the things. So it's just, it really is that bullet time. It really is just being ahead of it. You're ahead of your reactions to such a degree that you're you're just taking in um, the pure consciousness of the situation. And that's the same thing as happening with your ears. But like, I think you could function in that state. It's just, you're not going to be, you're not going to be like watching the news at six 30 and stuff like that. Like you're, you're not that you just won't like that me- mechanism, like didn't even work. And then the other part of it is, Like when you can plug back into the matrix, like your journeys at night are going to be just um, super, it's going to flip your entire existence. Like your day is going to be like your rest. Your night is going to be like a, a full, right, meaningful excursion every single night. I that's where I think it becomes way more mystical uh, as far as mission work. And yeah, I see a big difference on that because it, it, I mean, it was going in the direction of that um, after the couple of experiences where, you know, everything was geared towards laying down. Everything was geared towards like, you know, setting up an hour before bed, you know, laying the groundwork. Um, and then after the experiences, you know, they stop happening and you're, you start to second guess like what, but that's, that's just another play. Like, like you said, like there's no stopping the seed that's been planted. It's not necessarily a time space thing. So, um, yeah, as like I said before, I said it what five or six episodes ago. Yeah, I'm still having them. If you're having synchronicity, synchronicities, and there's one other thing, a combination of the both, keep moving forward, and that's it's pretty much what I look for. Am I having synchronicities? Am I awake physically? And I think there was one more that I said, but. Uh, those are happening at a very big level. Uh, I think as long as those are happening, you just keep pressing forward. And like you said, you never know what doorway I did a doorway today, right out of the blue breathing, pulled open the door and a couple impactful uh, door to a gas station and then door into the bathroom. I was super aware on both those doorways. Yeah, the doorways are a big clue to me now too. It, it like slowly sinks in. Yes, it's, but yeah, when, yep. You know you're aware like when you hit the door right, and yeah, something about that that reinforces uh, the awareness on you. But it's the seed of the door. So in the, I don't know if you know in the beginning, like this is how seeds work. It's showing you when you plant the seed. The first couple of days, you're like, I can't remember a single door. It doesn't work like that with the mind. Eventually, you're going to be like, oh, my God, 
I cannot be unaware of any door that I go through. Cause you plan that it's right. going to happen, whether it's two weeks from now or three weeks from now, every door you go into, you're going to be aware and you'll be like, what did I do? Like, you planted <laughs> the seed, not me. You did it. <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, um, the doors have been really funny like that. You're right. It's, it's definitely, I can still have days off days and on days, but the days that it's on, I'm like, Holy crap. Like the doors are, are, uh, not hiding for me today. Showing you has nothing to do with memory. It's seed work. Yeah. Uh, flourishing because of what you did. It's just showing you seed work. Yeah. And how it all works has nothing to do with like ego, memory, time, space, frustration. Oh, I didn't remember a door today. I didn't remember yesterday. It has nothing to do with any of that. None of that. You with a sincere heart planted a seed. Now watch it grow. (laughs) Well, yeah. And, but you can also see like when, when you get off the trail, like when you're missing a door, it's because you're, especially somebody like me, if I'm missing a door, it's because like I'm walking around with this crazy construct going on and like, well, of course I'm not aware because there's some, but then it's like you said with like the five minutes or an hour or whatever, like they don't last very long anymore. So you, you, you get that, um, constant sensation of waking up like, Oh, I was lost on that. And, and then you remember, like, I missed that door, you know, but then there's other times where like that happened to me, like, cause I had that fear and then I had like a super, I don't even know if it's synchronistic, but just a super meaningful bird response. So here I am like admitting fear to myself for like, the first time in a long time. And I don't know what the birds just responded. Like sounds I don't remember hearing before. Like you think you're paying really good attention to the birds. And then like, like did they up their game or am I just more aware? Like it, it gets interesting where I don't know, but it, anyways, like you have like this, amazing morning with the birds you know the the day's nice and like they just went off but that's just filling you with assurances and just taking that fear away and then like on a on like a morning like that yeah you're not missing doors at all follow the white rabbit oh 